Hello everybody, my name is Dustin Pischel, and today's guest is Cintra Wilson. Cintra is a writer, cultural critic, and artist. Cintra is one of the 50 most influential people working in New York fashion. Cintra has written for the New York Times Critical Shopper series. Cintra also served as a New York Times fashion critic. Cintra has also written articles for The Atlantic, The Guardian, GQ, Yahoo Life, Vice, New York Magazine, among many other magazines. Cintra is also has also has a column in the very popular magazine Hartford Advocate for her column The C Word. Cintra is also a frequent contributor to the very popular online magazine Salon.com. Please welcome the amazing Cintra Wilson. Hey. <laughs> a few of those things are out of date. Was that from my Wikipedia page? Yeah, uh, a lot of yeah, it was. Yeah. About all those newspapers, like the Hartford Advocate, those, yeah. those unfortunately shut down because yeah. all newspapers are shutting down and becoming one yeah. big newspaper now. Yeah, um, there's so much, like, it's all online now. All of it. It completely changed your whole life for the journalism. I mean, I've, I've been, been doing, I've been a journalist since I was 19 years old. Wow. And I'm yeah. much, much older now. Yeah. And everything completely changed. Yeah. It changed it all. Yeah. yeah. It, it's been, it's just so crazy. Like, when, was the internet, like, invented, I think, someone, something like 1995 or 2001? I think that's when it was. I- I'll tell you something trippy. I used to be a playwright, right? When yeah. I was in San Francisco, I wrote a bunch of plays mm-hmm. and had a bunch of plays produced, and I wrote them all on typewriters. <laughs> yeah. And, like, but, you know, there was no backup. You just had, like, one copy, and if you mm-hmm. lost the copy, you were doomed. And, yeah. uh, like, you know, there's there's no recordings of any of the stuff I did. There's some really bad videotape at some point, yeah. but I had most of, a lot of my career existed in a pre-internet era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is unthinkable now. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. Like, I, like, I have, like, a, for, like, the schoolwork aspect of, like, school, just thinking how, like, you would have to, like, be able to, like, used to have to go to the library and stuff like that to get the information. I just exactly. find that crazy. Oh, my God. So, yeah. do you ever go to the library now? No, it's been a few years since I've been there. Probably, like... I, probably been like five years. I used to go there all the time when I was younger in preschool, which is really stupid because I couldn't even read. Uh, like, we just <laughs> had this. Like to go to the library, huh? Yeah, and uh, there was like this. I it's like we uh, used to watch a lot of stuff on DVDs, and there was this little DVD area, and I would just get a bunch of like Scooby Doo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they had your Scooby Doo's for you. Yeah. So what are you doing? Like, how's your comedy going? Uh, good. Uh, um, I'm probably gonna be performing at one of the uh locations owned by Laugh Boston, so that's gonna be fun. Oh, sweet. Have you done yeah. much stand up before? Have you done it live? Um, yeah, I have. A bunch of times. Yeah. Okay, you're seasoned professional already. Who am I talking to? <laughs> yeah, uh, did you ever dabble in stand-up comedy? You know, actually, I did. It's a weird story. I was actually the winner of the Mug Root Beer Junior Comedy Competition when I was 14 and 15. Whoa. And 
people thought I was going to go into comedy, but I ended up uh, being a playwright instead. Yeah. It was uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I still do a lot of performing. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was uh, living in New York for 25 years, I did a lot of, there's a lot of shows where they have like literary mm-hmm. people who have funny things to read. And yeah. So we would get up and kind of do comedic readings of stuff. Yeah. Which was a fun scene. I mean, I hope it survived COVID. Yeah, the comedic essays. Yeah, I'm starting like to understand more forms of comedy. I originally like uh, started off just wanting to be a stand-up comedian, but like now I wanna I wanna go to like maybe UCLA, uh, one of like one of those really like nice film schools like Emerson, possibly Harvard. I mean, my grades are um really good, so possibly. But yeah, you I want. Be a filmmaker? Is that kind of the goal? Do you want to make movies? Um, I might. I more want to be in the scene of like, um, sitcoms, late night TV, and uh, yeah, stuff like that. I don't like think a movie, but more stuff, TV shows, late nights. I've, I've heard that that's well. the best life in yeah. the world. The best life in the world is apparently when you get on a long-running sitcom and you yeah. have, like, this family of characters around you. That's supposed to be the best life. Yeah, like... I, I encourage you. Yeah, it's so crazy, like, how, like, there are shows like um, Saturday Night Live that's been around for, I think, like, since the 70s. Yeah, for that, since the dawn of time. I think it started <laughs> yeah. in, like, 1973 or something. Yeah, I'm thinking of it now, it was 1976, and then, like, like, those, like, there were a bunch of soap opera shows that have been, like, around, that have, like, 50 seasons and stuff, it's crazy. I love, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, because soap operas, we don't have them anymore, but soap operas, it used to be this, you know, heavy afternoon drama, which made yeah. people cry, you know, which lasted for years, and people get really obsessed with the storylines, and things like that, I, mean, I never watched one, but I, but that modality of soap operas, it seems to have just kind of gone away, like, we don't, we don't really mm-hmm. have soap operas now, now we have Real Housewives of Atlanta, and stuff, and that yeah. kind of took place, so let me ask you a question, why did you know who I am? <laughs> um, I think that's like going through this article of, um, I have this thing where, <clears throat> like, I went through an article of, like, people in the comedy scene, and you write some humorous articles, so I think I found you out through that way. I have this whole system in place, so I don't really remember, like, how I found someone. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I think I oh, found okay. you in something like that. I was thinking maybe your parents had one of my books or something like that, but <laughs> it's even better than that. Yeah. So, um, so you did stand-up comedy when you were a kid. Like, when did you? How did you get into that? Um, I was. I belonged. To, I was working a lot at a theater. I was in a theater. Um, that had been doing a bunch mm-hmm. of productions, and I I played like the artful dodger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, a skinny little kid with mm-hmm. no. I mean, I was I was kind of androgynous mm-hmm. at that point because I had not developed. And uh, they hosted the Mugroot Beer Jr. comedy competition, mm-hmm. and they asked me to be a part of it. And so I yeah. uh, wrote a bunch of material, and it turned out okay. You know, but, uh, mm-hmm. It was fun. I, I snuck into nightclubs. I snuck into oh, yeah. places that, like, uh, Robin Williams had performed. Like, I went oh, into the yeah. Holy State Zoo and 
Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I, uh, no, I haven't, but I know, I think there's like a Robin Williams comedy club, but I know there's a Johnny Carson one. A Johnny Carson one? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. This was all in the Bay Area. Yeah. I mean, I'm in San Francisco Bay Area, and that's yeah. where this theater was, but mm-hmm. yeah, from there I just went, I wanted to write plays, so I wrote yeah. plays, but comedy would have been a better idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, like... What was the thing I was gonna say? Uh, something about, um. Oh, yeah, like, it, there's, like, did you, um, I remember Tom, like, Tom, <coughs> I heard the story, um, from Tom Rhodes that, like, when he was younger, he would, like, when he, he would, like, create, he would get fake IDs to, like, sneak into comedy clubs and perform. And that's so crazy, because other kids, they are, get fake IDs to go to bars, strip clubs, and stuff like that, and he's doing it to get go perform at a comedy club. You need a really good fake ID for that, that yeah. thing, I hate to tell you. I mean, <laughs> but maybe if they put you in a wheelchair and, like, you know, bandage your face or something, then they <laughs> yeah. really a comedy club. Yeah. It's so crazy, like, like, ha- like, to think that, like, those fake IDs ever happened. I don't know. I used to have a fake ID. Yeah. yeah. I had lots of fake IDs when I was a kid. How did you even get that? I started them? having fake IDs when I was 14. I, I mean, yeah. Right. Hello, everyone. Did Sorry you, about... Did dad help you? Um, oh, no. No. They don't help you? Yeah, I do all this on my own. So, uh, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, um, I, I just got a call from my mom, so the podcast then paused itself. So, I'm back to what you were saying. Oh, what was I saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were talking about, uh... Alright, help me out here. Yeah. My group is you, your comedy comedy. Oh, yeah. Fake, uh, fake ideas. F- yeah, fake ideas. Fake ideas. Yeah. No, you, you see yourself having a fake idea anytime soon? Like, I don't know. I mean, like, if it was possible for me to get one to sneak in, like... Into like well the first of all like I I I live sort of in a small town like it's like an hour away from Boston or something <coughs> so like in a lot of the comedy clubs in Boston I think I'd be able to perform at uh uh because I know the owner and I think he operates a few of those comedy clubs in Boston but yeah it, I mean I'd be too scared to get one. <laughs> yeah. You need to look a little bit older first. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to dress like a girl. <laughs> that might work, actually. So, um, how did you get uh how did you become a New York Times fashion critic? Yeah, that was that was kind of a fluke. Um I didn't know uh really anything about high fashion, but <laughs> I had a friend, like the critical shopper was divided yeah. into two people there was a guy one and there was a lady one and uh, they needed a new lady one and the guy one was my friend and he yeah. told the editor that he had once seen me out in a white goatee pantsuit <laughs> which true i yeah. had gotten it at a thrift store in monterey for a hundred dollars <laughs> and uh, so the editor called me up and she had read one of my books actually and uh, i told her i'm like i don't know anything about fashion um, I'm not in that tax bracket. I've never been that high on Madison mm-hmm. Avenue. I barely know anything about, you know, Gucci or 
things and she thought that was perfect like i mean that i didn't know anything she wanted me to just go in completely cold and and, and yeah. shoot from the air so i was lucky that i got to do that because i learned a lot yeah it's fun to go into things blind sometimes what was it like doing that like because um i had peter melman on my podcast and he sort of had a similar experience he wasn't like he wasn't really that deep into like comedy writing and he got a job writing for seinfeld so what was that like oh my god that's the dream oh you're breaking up Sorry, um, you, you yeah, connection issues. Oh dear, is, yeah. is it okay now? Or, or do you yeah, it's good now. Uh, if you could go back in time and work on any sitcom, which which sitcom would you want to work on? Jeez, that's a hard one. Seinfeld's good. Um, maybe like Monty Python. Well, that's not a sitcom. Uh, you like Monty Python? Uh, I, I don't watch it, but I hear that's one of the best ones of all time. Uh, probably Seinfeld. You know what's better than the, the Monty Python shows is the Monty Python record albums. Okay, yeah. I don't know if you have a turntable, but those are the funniest things you will you will ever listen to. Like, in terms of comedy albums, Monty the best ones. The TV show can be a little high and cold in terms of, like, good material. Yeah. But the album, sublime. Yeah, I heard that, like, it's sort of like a really crazy show. Oh yeah. yeah. You've never seen it? You gotta see some of it because I mean I've, I've seen you, you know what you gotta see? What? You gotta see Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, you should you should make a point of watching that. That is comedy okay. gold. Yeah. I watch a um a lot of Seinfeld and Kirby Enthusiasm and stuff like South Park. What do you think of this new season of Curb? It's not that good, I think. I haven't watched it yet. I'm, I'm on, ah, like, okay. season really two. Yeah. So, um, what was your experience like? So, like, so what opportunities did being a New York Times fashion critic open create for you? Oh, that's interesting. I got to go to a lot of very posh parties. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I got to, I got invited to New York Fashion Week, and I got to see cool. you know big runway shows and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, they're like, fun. like it's so quick. Like, were a lot of those like in penthouses and stuff. Those I parties. never got to the penthouse level, but I got mm-hmm. invited to like you know fancy parties at the Soho Grand Hotel and yeah. things like that. Yeah, like. I've seen those, like, New York, like, sky, like, like, basically a mansion that's in a skyscraper, not, ma- no, like, these, um, penthouses in these skyscrapers, it's crazy how tall a lot of them are. Yes, yeah, I mean, I have a friend with a penthouse, so I've, so I've been in one. <laughs> <laughs> cool. How, 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 like, high up was it? Oh, God, I think it was on, like, the 34th floor or something wow. like that, pretty high. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you can see, like, the back of the New Yorker sign. Whoa. Pretty cool. Yeah. Like, that stuff, like, a lot of those, like, appointments, though, 
they cost like a lot of money, like thirty million, like forty million dollars for eight thousand square feet. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, you can you can find eight thousand square feet for less than forty million, but you know, yeah, <laughs> it'll go that high for sure. Cause you a lot of like, you, what? You're looking to make loads of money. Uh, I mean, like later in my years, I would like to have that, but like, that's not my main goal. But of course, I would like to have a lot of money. What? Who are your like? Uh, who are your favorite comedians? Who do you love the most? Uh, probably Dave Chappelle, George Carlin, Bill Burr, Chris Rock, um, Cat Williams. Who else? Who else? Have you ever seen Bill Hicks? Bill Hicks died like uh, um, a long time ago, but he's really one of the best comics in the whole world ever. I've seen some of his stuff. Yeah, he's he's really fun. he's a hero of mine. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, do you ever meet him? No, I never met him. He yeah. died uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I think I, I think I only knew about him after he died. Oh uh, yeah, like there were like a lot of like comedians in the night. Like I, I well like a lot of, like the seventies. There were a bunch of like comedians that just like came out and like and were like super famous. In the seventies. Yeah. Well, yeah, like Steve Martin. I, yeah. Uh, uh, what I remember mainly about that time. Yeah. That's, that's getting a little bit into the 80s there. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, it was like Steve Martin, Robin Williams, and mm-hmm. Bill Cosby was actually a huge hero yeah. of mine throughout my childhood. I loved Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Now you can't love yeah. Bill Cosby. Like, I, that's just like, it's so crazy. Like, what happened with Bill Cosby? Like, just like... How you saw if, like, that guy, like, he was interviewing children on a TV show. He was like, how are you, little buddy? And then, like, the other things he was doing, it's just so crazy to think about. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, it's, it's, because it, he was so avuncular, which is a big word that means uncle-like. Yeah. But, like, every, everybody, like, when I was a little kid, I used to listen to Bill Cosby albums all the time and wish he was my dad. I just loved him, like, <laughs> yeah. that kind of feeling like i love you like you are my father yeah and you seem so sensible and reasonable yeah that's just that funny. crazy because like that always makes me think what celebrity do we not know about is doing that stuff? Like, that that always just makes me think there's probably a few celebrities who are doing that right now that we don't know about. I That just mind boggles me. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no question that, yeah. that somebody out there, you know, making mischief, for sure. Yeah. So, what was... Uh, so... What... So, you're in the fashion industry. So, what fashion trends do you hate the most oh i'm not really in the fashion industry i'm more like a fashion expert like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've written about it for a long time i wrote a yeah. book about it and stuff like that and uh, sort of the interesting thing now is that uh like since the 1990s like there used to be that you could mm-hmm. recognize a decade yeah. through the clothing right mm-hmm. you could look at the 70s and see the bell bottoms you could look at mm-hmm. the 60s and see the beehive hairdos and you could look at the yeah. 80s and see the big shoulder pads and now it's atomized like uh mm-hmm. because of the internet you know like everything else it's kind yeah. of all 
dissolved and now there's no rules for fashion anymore yeah. like there's no big paradigm to subvert yeah. like the 80s looked radically different than the 70s but mm-hmm. like if you look at fashion from like almost the 90s through now it really hasn't changed very much because mm-hmm. it's there's there's pretty much no rules yeah. like if you if you can do any kind of look successfully you're 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 fine you know yeah. and so you can it's an interesting time. I mean, you can you can really cultivate your own fashion, and I say the weirder the better. You um, you don't think that like that stuff like people like they go to the what's it called like those point like those walk those walkways and like people like will dress up like I think there was someone who like dressed up as a garbage bag or something, and then another person who did a cardboard box and like. They probably spent like eight hundred dollars, like to twenty five hundred dollars, perfecting the look. I just that stuff. I I just cannot comprehend that. Oh, you're talking about high fashion, like yeah, you know, high, when they go down yeah. the runways and the catwalks. That's more of a serving suggestion, you know. I mean, yeah. I don't think it, nobody nobody really wears that except for the yeah. models. I mean, then what they they then they have ready to wear lines that make yeah. it a lot easier. But, I mean, um, fashion is really art, you know. Fashion yeah. is art like anything else, and and what it's 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 a comment usually on the moment, right? Yeah. Like so, the whole the whole zeitgeist of mm-hmm. society can be articulated mm-hmm. in a piece of fashion if you're doing it right, right? Yeah. So, so it's a way to look at the state of the world. Yeah, like yeah. Um, what? So, yeah. Um, one thing. Let let me think. Um, about another question. So, yeah. Um, like, have you ever like gone to one of those events where you saw like, like, I wonder like so a lot of times those people dress up as that stuff they don't wear it in real life. I I just sort of assumed they did. Well, like I know like not all the time, but I felt like if they went to a fancy party, they would put their I don't know the trash bag or whatever on, cause like people actually <laughs> dressed up as that. I like. I don't know, like, because they look so serious when they're walking. Like, they're like, this is who I am. I am so confident in this. This is the best thing that's ever happened to the world. And it's just so, like, how the crazy. Can you make crazy. a different model face? Make a model face. I, I don't know how to. I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> I wanted to see if you could imitate it. Like, oh, I would, see. I, I, would nev- I would never do something like that. No? No. I mean, it's it's fun. I mean, fashion's a lot of fun. I've been to parties where there's mm-hmm. a lot of models, and and the one thing that's really remarkable is that you. I'm standing there, and I'm the average height. Mm-hmm. I'm five six, but these women are six three in some wow. cases. Yeah. And then they have heels on, so they're six eight, and they weigh like yeah. 135 pounds. And you know, they walk around, and it's like being in a world like with praying mantises or something yeah. like that. They don't even look like human beings. They've got these, these tiny heads and these tiny bodies and they're gigantically tall. Yeah. It's, it's a different species. <laughs> yeah. It's just so crazy. Like, I have, like, a my gym teacher, he's six foot six, but to imagine someone taller than that is just crazy. Oh, yeah, the giants. Giant, gigantic yeah. teenage girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, a lot of, like, these, like, models, like, especially, the, like, some of the, like, 
uh, a lot of the, like, people from the music industries, like, pop singers and rappers, like, a lot of, like, the guys, like, they put on these, like, and the girls, but they, like, put on these, like, four-inch nail extensions, and I just, I find that disgusting. I, I, I just, like, oh, really? yeah, they're, like, little, they're, like, animals. It's just so, like, I don't know if they're trying, like, the thing, like, those neck chokers, I think, like, people are just trying to look more and more, like, cats and dogs. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> that's really interesting because, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always kind of thought that, too. I think I think Walt Disney sort of corrupted the mind of, <laughs> yeah. of a lot of people by having, like, these talking foxes and hounds yeah. fall in love and stuff like that. And then people started, you know, there's, there's whole groups of people who prefer to date in animal costumes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, but anthrop- anthropomorphic animals is definitely something that I think their generation has to contend with more than mine. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Like, like I, I don't understand why would you want to be an animal? I do not understand oh, that. Oh, they're cute. They're cute. Um, no, I, like, actually. Uh, I remember I went to this party. I went to this party one time, and, like, there, I saw this pair of girls, and they were dressed like horses. Oh, my. And they had... They had bridles in their mouth, and they they just like really liked it when people kind of trotted them around, you know. I I just and find that crazy. I find it pretty crazy too. Yeah, it's bizarre. So, yeah. I mean, I don't. I I think to each his own, you know. Whatever yeah. brings them joy. So, can you tell us about your book, Fear and Clothing: Unbuckling American Style? Yeah, sure. That was my last book. Uh, that came out a few years ago, and that was kind of the result of working for the New York Times mm-hmm. for years. And uh, but what I did is I went on a trip around mm-hmm. the United States because I was thinking about God. There's, there's. Remember, I'm, you're probably too young, but mm-hmm. when when things started to get divided up into like blue states and red yeah. states politically, um, mm-hmm. this was right kind of at the beginning of that. And I was thinking, God, we have such a division happening with these people. I really want to go to some states because I've, I've only ever lived on the coasts in New York mm-hmm. and California. I've lived in LA and, and yeah. New York and San Francisco and that's it. So I went to places like Iowa, I mm-hmm. went to Alaska, I went to yeah. the deep south, I went to Alabama, mm-hmm. I went to Texas. I went to, I went to places that I wouldn't normally go, mm-hmm. like Republican states, if yeah. you will. And, uh, you know, discovered kind of what the fashion codes were mm-hmm. For each of these places because i realized that like each each state kind of uh you know has has its own flavor and has yeah. its own style and so i wanted to recognize the style codes from each place and and like what kind of power structures were influencing them to mm-hmm. the point where they dressed like that i wanted to see yeah. if political economy could be seen all the way to the underwear drawer and mm-hmm. i feel i did <laughs> yeah it it's like crazy how like some people's styles are just like so different like each person like their style is so different like a lot of times like it's just it's just crazy how like yeah yeah like a lot of times like do you have any goths do you have any goths in your grid oh wait what do you have any goths in your grid like people who wear all black and lots of hooks and hammers and buckles and yeah it's 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 crazy 
Like, I don't understand, like, 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 a lot of times they're, like, people that are atheists and they wear crosses. Like, I, I don't understand it. It just makes no sense. That, I, that, that's, like, I, I can't. You know atheists who wear crosses? What? You know atheists who wear crosses? Yeah, there are kids in my grade did that. I, I went, I was talking to my, uh, this kid in my grade once, and I asked him, oh, you're Christian? And he's like, no. I'm just wearing a cross. And it's just like, you can tell. Like, it's just so crazy. That's really funny. Like, I don't, I don't wear a yarmulke because I think it's stylish. That's offensive. I just find it crazy. <laughs> it really depends on the yarmulke, you know, I would, I would say. <laughs> the perfect yarmulke could really get you, could really open doors, I bet. <laughs> so, um... So you, um, you, uh, you are an ex- also an accept, I, I don't even, I just forgot how to say expert for some reason. So you're an expert on celebrity culture. So what are your thoughts on reality TV? Oh, boy, that's a long topic. I, I wrote a book a long time ago in 1999. Were you even born in 1999? <laughs> uh, 2008. Wow. God, I've got socks older than you. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Well, celebrity has really changed a Mm -hmm. lot since, since like, the year 1999. It's changed tremendously. I mean, the Internet has has, uh, changed the whole texture of fame. But reality TV was sort of, like, the beginning of the end Mm -hmm. of of celebrity in a lot of ways. I mean, because it's sort of... Well, Andy Warhol said everyone was going to be famous for 15 minutes in the future... And he's kind of right, you yeah. know. I mean, because you know, reality TV stars—you can't keep track of them. I mean, mm-hmm. think about like Instagram stars now, yeah. right? Which is sort of an extrusion of reality TV. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's over four million people on Instagram who have a million followers or more. Wait, over four million people. That's right. So, like, I mean, and these are people who all have a million followers, wow. and so. There's no way to know about all of them. Yeah. Right? I mean, fame has gotten, fame has kind of become completely different now. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the way to do it is, is on the internet. I mean, mm-hmm. now it's all about your social media reach. Mm-hmm. Like, even, uh, like, I used to write books, but now the mm-hmm. way that they find authors is not because of, like, how good a writer you are, but how many people you reach on social media. Yeah. It's changed everything. Yeah, it's and, so uh, crazy. Like... Some people who aren't, like, really that famous, like, you see David Letterman uh, on Instagram, he has, like, 360,000 followers, which is a lot of followers, but for someone like David Letterman, like, and then you have, like, a lot of, like, these TikTokers, I'm not gonna say, like, Charlie D'Amelio, because they're, like, super famous at this point, but a lot of other people, like, People who aren't even famous have, like, 500, 600,000 Instagram followers. Like, they're not, they're, like, high-profile, but they're not famous. No, I hear you. And it's, it's really interesting because I did a lot of live performance in New York. And, like, I did performances with people, like, oh, you know, there's this guy coming tonight, and he's this TikTok star. <laughs> and he has, like, 6 million followers on TikTok. Yeah. And I was like, great, you know. And so we're sitting in the audience watching him. And the guy can't perform live, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like he's, he's only ever performed in front of a phone. Yeah. <laughs> and it shows, you 
know, it was weird. You couldn't really take him out of his environment. He didn't thrive. Yeah. A lot of this, like, TikTok stuff, it just makes me angry. Because, like, no one can actually tell, like, a joke on, on it. Like, this is sort of one of the reasons I don't participate in it. Like, on it, without a bunch of people, like, copying it. And, like, everyone's, like, too afraid to, like, speak on the thing. Because they always, like, use, like, text-to-speech. And it's just, like, why can't, like, like they n- none of them speak, like, and it just makes no sense, a lot of it. Because people don't speak. They use, like, these, um, like, things that were already said, but they don't, like, they, uh, there was this, like, trend of, uh, I forget what it's called, but, like, a lot of times they use text-to-speech, like, from one person's video, but it doesn't match up with their video, like, exactly. Oh, I see. So, it, yeah. like, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's just I mean, crazy. Kind of feel, you, know, you know what drives me crazy kind of along the same lines is, um, <laughs> like... I, I like to I like to use subtitles on everything that I watch on TV. Yeah. And and like it's amazing how badly some subtitles are written. Like they're, yeah. they're just written. They look like they were written by like you know a fourth grader who oh, didn't yeah. speak English or something. Like that. It <laughs> yeah. was all phonetic sometimes. Yeah. And that. Civilization is 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 in an is in a precarious place in terms of the written word, you know. Yeah. We're we're about we're about to lose it. <laughs> yeah, like I was watching the show a while back. Like everyone had like these sort of um, like I don't know, but it was like these heavy accents. I forget like what uh, ethnicity it belonged to. I think it was something like this, uh, like Dutch accent. Everyone had these deep Dutch accents or something, so, um, heavy Dutch accents, so I, I could understand, but it was a bit harder, like, I might miss one word every ten words, so, I turned subtitles on, the words I didn't miss, I noticed, like, like, the sentences, like, they weren't, like, anywhere near what the, like, what the subtitles say, and, like, I was like, am I hearing this correctly? And after listening for 10 minutes, I was like, I'm right. Like, and the thing it was, it wasn't like a show where they might have done improv. It was like this, it was like this really popular Netflix original based off of like, it was called Ragnarok or something based off of like, Ragnarok, I think yeah. the Thor movie. Um, I'm just like, come on, like you're one of the top 10 most watched Netflix TV shows. Like, you can do a bit better. Get it together. I know, yeah. get it like hire somebody who actually speaks the language or something. I mean, it's, it's not that tough. Yeah, it's so. What's, what's your What's your favorite kind of material? Like, what kind of what kind of comic are you? Like, what, uh, what's your? Anchor Donto and observational. Those are probably Anchor my cool. two favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still. Yeah, I'm still trying to learn how to say Anchor Donto. And I I I can't say it. Just think of a neck. A nectodol. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I have such, like, uh, like, I, I'm doing Spanish, and so I have Spanish class, and, like, I know, like, I know a lot of the words very well, but, like, when it comes to, sp- like, I can, like, 
like if I was fluent in reading and understanding the words, I would be all set. Except I wouldn't know how to pronounce the words at all. Like, like I can understand the words, but my pronunciation is just terribly bad. You've got a really cool accent, though. I mean, I can see that working for you. <laughs> yeah, some... Oh, thank you. But, like, some... I remember once there was this kid, like, in elementary school who cornered me, and he's like, are you British? Because, like, I, I said I didn't have a British accent, and he didn't believe me. And I and he was just, like, uh, getting so mad. He's like, you're British, you're British. It was so weird. I thought you were British for, like, one and a half minutes when we first <laughs> yeah. started talking. Just a little bit, and then I realized they were probably from the East Coast. Yeah, it's so crazy how different, like, some people's accents are. Like, well, well, like, actually, I I shouldn't say that because, like, a lot of times, like, I speak to other um people around the U.S. and a lot of times the accents aren't really well. Probably since people like a lot of the people I speak with, they didn't grow they didn't grow up in L.A. or anything. And New- well, some people probably grew up in New York. Yeah, yeah. Do I do I sound like I have a really strong California accent or not that bad? I I don't know what a California accent is, so I can't judge. Uh, when we were punk rockers, we used to talk like this. This was the accent of if you were a Cal- native California punk rocker, you could roll, Dustin. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah, sort of. My car. I can sort of hear it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've tried to make it less obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what was your experience like being a playwright? You know, that was a lot of fun, actually, because, uh, and, and I recommend it as, as a way to get yourself mm-hmm. off the ground. I mean, I, yeah. I wrote a bunch of plays in San Francisco with this group. I was, uh, I was 19 when I wrote my first play. Yeah. And uh, I performed with, I found this group of people, like a guy in my school, I was, mm-hmm. I was uh, going to San Francisco State University, yeah. and it, they connected me with this group of people that were calling themselves Dude Theater, mm-hmm. D-U-D, and so um, I did a bunch of plays with Dude Theater, and yeah. uh, we did them for no money at all, you yeah. know, just like, just getting stuff, like pulling it together. Like, I, I used to sell my own clothes to buy <laughs> costumes at home. Yeah. And you know, we would just barely scrape by. But we, yeah. would do, we would do some really fun stuff. I mean, it's like it was because, you know, the fact that we weren't paid meant that we could do anything yeah. at all. So we did, like, crazy puppet shows and slasher plays where there was blood all over the stage. <laughs> and, you know, we, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. I, like, I was reading this um, book once. Like on well, on plays and there was this thing like, <coughs> oh sorry for coughing, but uh there was like, uh, and they were interviewing like this um play group. It was a book um by a comedy writer and he was interviewing this comedy writing group and like they had the most crazy stories of what they did for their plays. Like they would have people dress up as the most offensive costumes while being naked. And I just, it's crazy. We, we had a lot of fun with the puppet stuff. We would, like, sometimes we'd have, like, full body puppets. Like, we yeah. had an eight-foot-tall puppet, and then we had, like, a poke. We had a finger poke fit right on yeah. the end of your finger. Yeah. And so we would juxtapose, like, giant stuff with little yeah. stuff, and it was fun. Wait, I, I'm starting to think, how could they be, like, wear 
that 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 chapter from the book didn't make any sense. So, uh, how did you? So, um, what's the most interesting thing you've ever been assigned to write an article on? Wow. in my life um you know what was really interesting is uh i a rolling stone magazine once hired wow. me to infiltrate the white house press corps and wow. uh well not infiltrate i mean basically i was just yeah. in the white house press corps which with all of the journalists who sit in the james brady briefing <laughs> room you know in the white house and listen to the white house press secretary say stuff and uh that was like during the bush administration yeah. and it got really interesting because there was uh, there was a big meltdown in the press room because uh, this CIA agent named Valerie Flame had been exposed and it just created this massive kerfuffle where like the the press corps essentially attacked the press secretary <laughs> and it was it was you know a phenomenal thing to watch but I mean it was it was just amazing to like be able to regard that whole process because it's it's a the white house really doesn't give you any information if you're sitting in the press room you know they they will they will it's kind of it's kind of a ballet of saying many words that mean absolutely nothing yeah it's you know very like political jujitsu that way yeah but it, it was fun to see you can still find that article the article wasn't published in rolling stone but it was published on salon okay so, yeah well so yeah, do you see did you see the guy getting attacked? You know, I was at an event for my own book at the time, so I was yeah. a day late on that, but I did see uh, the aftermath yeah. of it when they were still mad at him. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's crazy. I I watch a lot of those um CIA videos sometimes of, like, a CIA agent, the, um, the, like, uh, protecting the president, and it's just so crazy. Like, sometimes they are, like, crazy good like they jump up and stop them in a matter of seconds and other times it's just pathetic like they're taking their time they're walking they're getting out no a slushy from the board from the beach like 10 miles away and then it's just so crazy how sometimes they take their time to like stop the attacker and other times they just like go like immediately right after and it's like watching a stunt from a movie are you watching like real cia stuff or just like fiction cia stuff uh real stuff like the ronald reagan thing uh yeah uh some uh, bernie sanders trump uh was there there were some other ones i think maybe george bush bill clinton a lot of them are more recent Oh, okay. So, I mean, were these, like, CIA people with body cams on them or something? Um, it's just, like, a lot of the things I think are, like, most of the time that, like, recorded events, like, at speeches and stuff that are broadcasted. So, you see that a lot of the time. Huh. Okay. I just, uh, I went through this, like, a week phase of just, um, like, a one-week-long phase of just watching stuff like that. And it's also just, like, crazy, like, uh, especially the way the Russians handled it, like, 
like I saw this uh, like um uh, Russian woman. She went like right up to I I think it might have been Vladimir Putin or other person, and she just pointed a gun at them. And then uh, and then the president had to be the one that took it away from the them. And then just like a minute later, a bunch of the CIA rushed the, the woman. It was crazy. Uh, Secret Service? Are you talking yeah. about Secret Service guys, too? Uh, well, I know CIA is international, so either one. Yeah, well, Secret Service is the guys, you know, with the sunglasses and yeah. the AirPods that, like, surround the president and, like, mm-hmm. look cool in suits. Yeah. So, thank you so very much for being a guest on my podcast. It was an honor and delight having you on. <coughs> Sorry, um, and before we go, is there any social media or anything you would like to share? Oh, yeah, very much so. Thank you. Um, I'm, I can be found on Twitter at, uh, at Zintra with an X, X-I-N-T-R-A. And you can find my Substack at Sintra, that's C-I-N-T-R-A, dot Substack.com. And I'm, I'm enjoying the Substack these days, so check it out. Okay, thank you so very much for being a guest on my podcast. Goodbye and have an amazing day. You too, Dustin. Thanks a lot. It was a great pleasure talking to you. Bye.